Luke chapter 2, verse 41. And now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. And when they found him not, they returned back to, again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I, and I have sought thee uh, sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you might that you sought me? Was ye not that I was a must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Both his mother kept all those things uh, in her heart. For a few minutes, I'll just simply call it, they lost Jesus. <laughs> Think about that. They lost Jesus. On, uh, <clears throat> on, on July the 29th of 1969, astronaut Neil Armstrong climbed down an aluminum ladder and placed his foot upon the surface of the moon. President Nixon at that time made a national address uh, to the nation that night. And he said, and I quote, the greatest event in human history occurred when man first put his foot on the moon, end of quote. Well, as monumental as that was, I would have to disagree uh, with our former president. I do not think that when Neil Armstrong placed his foot up on the moon was the greatest event in history. The greatest event in history up to this point was when God placed his feet upon this earth. And it, he placed his feet upon this earth by coming uh, through the womb of a young virgin Jewish girl. And this is what Christmas is all about to me. Christmas realizes the occasion that the Son of God became the Son of Man. And the creator of, in Genesis and the creator of the universe was now a baby in the manger of Bethlehem. And she brought forth her child and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him there within that manger that day. We must realize this morning the importance this evening, the importance of this passage of Scripture. It was required by law that every male Jew, uh, when he became an adult, was to go to Jerusalem uh, to keep the Passover. Any adult male Jew that lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem was required to go to Jerusalem. But it was the requirement, well, not a requirement, but it was something that every male Jew in the world wanted to make at least one pilgrimage uh, to Jerusalem in order to keep the Passover, much the same way that the Muslim wants to take their trek uh, uh, into Saudi Arabia to Mecca uh, to keep a pilgrimage that they have as well. Jews come to this day from all over the world in order to keep that Passover celebration in that place called Jerusalem. Now, a Jewish boy became a man at 12 years of age. Then he became the son of the law, and he took the obligations of the law upon his shoulders at that particular time. So at 12 years of age, Jesus Christ became a man. He entered into uh, the law of that day as we're supposed to do as a young, a young life. Joseph fulfilled the law by requiring five shekels, approximately 
$1.44, I think it is, uh, in redemption money, uh, which gave him the legal right to be the father claiming obedience of Luke chapter 2, verses 48 through 51. Now, I can only imagine the excitement that must have been in the heart and mind of Joseph and Mary as they took 12-year-old Jesus to the temple, going to be going through the Passover. Can you imagine them saying, wow, our little boy becoming a man? Can you imagine how proud they were? Moms, aren't you proud sometimes when your uh, daughter or son does some accomplishment in school, uh, football or ballet or, or singing a special something? You all, oh, you just swell with pride and, and you're happy, you're pleased. How do you think Mary and Joseph felt when they realized their little 12-year-old boy was now becoming a man according to the law? But more than that, how do you suppose Jesus must have felt? Here he is making a trek to Jerusalem. If you've been there before, it's different this time. Uh, going to Jerusalem and seeing the beautiful temple and being in part of that and being part of that service uh, that was going on at the Passover. My, how it must have brought a fascination to his own mind as well. And then with that being said, uh, we understand according to the Bible uh, that after uh, they, uh, the Passover had ended, everybody was to return back to their hometown. Mary and Joseph would have had to join the caravan. Uh, they themselves were heading back to uh, their hometown. Jesus was supposed to be with them. But this time, uh, Jesus was now able to be a servant of the Lord and recognized as adult according to the law. But here's something that happened. They lost Jesus in the journey. Uh, this, this just blows my mind every time I read it. They lost Jesus. The interesting part of this story, Mary and Joseph came to the end of that day and all of a sudden they looked around and they were shocked. Where is Jesus? While they joined the caravan, they were traveling in a caravan with family and friends and they came to the end of the day and they looked around. They couldn't find him. He was nowhere to be found. Jesus lingered behind. Now, normally, women would start out traveling before the men in a, in a journey. They would travel because they walked slower and talked more. I don't know about that, but they walked slower, and, and therefore, they, 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 forgive me for that, oh, God. Uh, they, it's amazing what you say while you're in the anointing. No, I'm kidding. But they, they, they walked slower. Uh, so the women would start on the journey earlier. And the men would start later and they would walk faster and they would usually catch up with each other at least by the time uh, they would camp that evening and settle for the evening. Joseph thought Jesus was with Mary. Mary thought Jesus was with Joseph. And in reality, they lost him. Who lost Jesus? Joseph and Mary lost Jesus. Jesus had been with them for 12 years. They loved him. They knew him. They trusted him. They knew everything about him, but they lost him. Mary and Joseph were probably pretty young. At least Mary was, but that's no excuse to have lost Jesus Christ. Perhaps they lost him through neglect. Perhaps they lost him uh, just because they neglected to see where he was at. Maybe they took for granted that he was only going to be there. After all, it started out miraculous. Think about this. Could it be they thought, man, an angel appeared to me and said, I'm going to birth this kid. Angels gave dreams and God gave dreams to both of them and all this stuff. And they went to Elizabeth and said, I'm with child. Oh, we know the angel talked to me. Can you imagine Mary thinking, Wow. God has favored me. There's no way I can blow this. When you see this miraculous conception, this miraculous birth, everything miraculous about this child fulfilling scripture, there's no way I can blow this. Do you think perhaps that could have been in her mind? But nothing could have been more from the truth. Many times we make the mistake thinking because we begin this journey miraculously, we're going to end this journey miraculously 
But we've got to give, give credence to the details in the process. There have been many, many people that came to Jesus as a result of some miracle within our life. Maybe we had a dream at night. Maybe we had a vision during the day. Maybe the Holy Spirit set us free from some bondage. Maybe we've been experienced the power of God in a great and a mighty way. Maybe we've been slain in the Spirit and God left us on an operating table for an hour and a half. Maybe we just have been a glorious experience with God. And we think, man, this is so good. I can never lose God. I can never walk away from him. I can never let him slip from my being. There's no way I could lose him. And since the journey began with a miracle, maybe they thought there's nothing that they could do to mess up their walk with the Lord. But yet some of the greatest people in the word of God lost Jesus. Some of the greatest people in the word of God sinned. Some of the greatest people in the word of God came short of the glory of God itself. And even though those that miraculously had a great beginning with the Lord along the way, somewhere along the journey of life, they lost the Lord. As we said, some of the greatest men in the Bible have sinned. We look at men like Adam and Noah and Saul and Samson and David and Judas and Peter. They failed God miserably, just to mention a few. How do they do that, Pastor? Well, Adam had disobedience. And we know that Noah was drunk. Saul's disposition. Samson's defilement. David's desires and his lust. Judas's depravity. And Peter's denial. All of these things, and many of these men had a miraculous beginning with God, but yet something happened along the journey to where they lost their way with God. No matter how long a person has known Jesus Christ, we can still lose him, and all Christians are vulnerable to that. I know that there's doctrines today being preached that once you get saved, you can never lose your way with God. Honey, I wouldn't put my faith in that doctrine, but I would say what the Word of God says it's just as important how we finish our walk as it is as to how we begin that walk. And it's one thing to begin the walk with the Lord, but it's another thing to end that walk with the Lord. Joseph and Mary walked with Jesus to Jerusalem, but they left him when they walked back home without him. And here they knew him well. And they thought they had him well. And they could have said, well, we're not really neglecting. But in reality, they did when one thought he was with the other. They neglected. And maybe they could have thought we had this miraculous visitation from the Holy Spirit so that we can never mess up. We can all mess up because we're humans. <clears throat> Notice, secondly, they lost him in the midst of a religious celebration in verse 41 of the Passover. They lost him in the midst of a religious celebration. The Passover celebration, uh, it involved sacrifice, sacrificing a lamb which symbolized Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the blood of the bulls, the goats, the lambs, the pigeon, the turtle dove, that was all foreshadowing of the blood that Jesus Christ himself would shed one day upon the cross of Calvary. Christmas concerns itself with the sending of the lamb the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. It's often been thought by many scholars that when the angels appeared to the shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night, that those sheep were special sheep. They weren't just any lambs for any flock, but that perhaps they were the sheep that was going to be used in the Passover system themselves. They had to be perfect. They had no blemish, no spot on their wool. I mean, it was hard to find a perfect lamb for sacrifice. And it could be that they were watching over these special sheep and those sheep were pointing to the Lamb of God that was to be slain one day. So the Passover of the Old Testament made men look back, uh, look ahead to redemption, but Christmas causes us to look back to the incarnation. 
The Old Testament makes us look forward to redemption, but Christmas causes us to look back to the incarnation. Understand, the Old Testament used the blood of bulls and lambs and goats and pigeons and turtle doves. But we in the New Testament, we look to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Old Testament blood covered, but it's the New Testament blood of Christ that removes the sin. Only the blood can remove sin. Only the blood can deliver us from the power of sin. Only through the blood can we uh, be uh, overcomers. And only through the blood uh, can we satisfy the holy man's or righteous God. But only that blood could come through the body of Jesus and they lost him. Think about that. Only the blood that could satisfy God would come through the body of Jesus and they lose him. They lose him. People may lose Jesus in the midst of the Christmas season, brothers and sisters, when activities can keep us from Christ. I have got to make myself with everything I'm doing this. I mean, I, ever since August, the box stores have had Christmas trees out. Hallmark movies, if you can stand to watch the dumb things anymore, have been on now since Halloween. Christmas music been playing in restaurants, in businesses, radio, and we're saying, dear God, have we had time for Christ yet? Think about it. We've got to make ourselves get along with the Lord, at least I do, and say, Lord, I need time with you. I hear all the hustle and the bustle and here and going and shopping. I need time with you. And we've got to take time to be holy. And you know what? Many people are so disappointed after Christmas, it's a letdown. Because we put all the faith, all the hope in the tinsel, the tree, the presents, et cetera, et cetera. We know this. And suicide goes up high during this time of the year because our hopes were on this when our hopes need to be on him. It's so easy to lose Jesus in the midst of religious times. Christ amidst the celebration. But when we remember our joy is in Jesus. Our song is because he's our savior. Our love is because he is our Lord. Our inheritance is because of his incarnation. And thank God our blessings is because of his birth. It's all about him. I don't want to lose Jesus anytime. But I certainly don't want to lose him in the midst of the Christmas celebration. However, to me it's interesting to know this. They lost him. And they didn't even know he was missing. Ooh, let that sink in. They lost him and they didn't even know he was missing. How many churches, God help me, how many churches in America and around the world continue to do services as usual without the assistance of the Holy Spirit. If God were to remove the Holy Ghost from the Church of America today, many churches would continue on business as usual because they did not know the Lord had lifted and put ink on the door. You know, if Paul were alive today, we'd be getting another letter from him. Think about it, you think? If Paul were alive, we'd be getting another letter from him try to straighten out the mess that we're in today. It's so easy, brothers and sisters, to take his presence for granted. It's so easy to take his blessings for granted. It's so easy today in which we live uh, to take our walk with him for granted. Notice what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip 
For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense and reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will." This is the first of five admonitions that we see in the book of Hebrews. And the, person, the, the purpose is to encourage the readers of the book of Hebrews to simply be faithful to our Lord and to pay attention to God's word and obey it and apply it to our lives. The admonition was written for all believers because the Hebrew writer includes himself when he writes, we, we should give heed. We shouldn't take acknowledgement. <clears throat> the danger is in our neglecting our salvation. He did not say the danger was in rejecting. He said the danger is in neglecting of the word of God. Brothers and sisters, it could have been said this way. Lest we would let them slip. He encourages Christians to pay attention to the great salvation that we've received from Jesus Christ, lest we allow that to slip. Years ago, my pastor was out working on the farm. He had on work gloves. He took his glove off and slung it in the back of the pickup truck and gets home and finds out his wedding ring is missing. It slipped right off his finger without him even knowing about it. He didn't realize it until he came to the end of the journey that day and said, whoop, I'm missing it. He didn't neglect it. He didn't abuse it. It just slipped off his finger. He was not guarding it. He was not maintaining it, perhaps, as much as he should. In Hebrews 6.10, the writer uses an illustration of an anchor <clears throat> to show how confident that we can be in the promises of God. Now, walk with me here. More spiritual problems come our way because of neglecting than anything else that I can think of. We neglect prayer. We neglect God's word. We neglect the house of God. We neglect, we, we neglect spiritual disciplines. We neglect fellowship. We neglect those things that we don't like to do with the flesh. And as a result, we drift to another path. We slip into another path along the way. Notice, if you will, we're no longer walking with Jesus, but we think we are. We're no longer walking with Jesus, but perhaps we think we are. Notice, if you will, the anchor does not move. The anchor of God's promises don't move. But we walk away from it. Are you with me? We walk away from it. We let it slip. And before long, we get dull to the word of the living God. We drift from God's word. We get dull toward God's word. And then we begin to doubt the word of God. That's the sequence. We drift. We get dull. And the next thing you know, we're out there doubting it. The best to keep from drifting away is to lay hold to the anchor. Lay hold to the promises. Lay hold to the promises of God, which is the anchor of our soul. There are at least three reasons, I believe, why Mary and Joseph left Jesus behind. First of all, their perception was weak. They tarried in Jerusalem, and Joseph and Mary did not know he was missing. It's a tragic thing indeed when you and I think that Jesus is with us when in reality he's lost. Notice secondly, their presumption was wrong. Verse 44 indicated that they supposed that Jesus was in the company. Is it wrong to suppose that Jesus is with us when we're careless about a relationship with him? 
Is it presumptuous to think he's going to be with us if, I don't talk to, if we don't talk to him in prayer, if we don't read his word, if we don't fellowship and, and communion in the church? Is it presumptuous to think we're just because he's with us? What happened to Samson? Samson shook himself and Delilah came on him three different times and said, I'll shake myself and the power of God will come, not knowing that the Lord had departed from him. If we do not give heed, if we do not guard our relationship, our work with God, if we take it for granted, he can, he can slip right out of our way and not even be aware of it. Well, I don't believe that, preacher. Well, believe what you want. I've watched this through the years. I've struggled in my own life. Anybody else? If you neglect prayer, if you neglect the word of God, what happens? The next thing you know, you're neglecting him. Uh, you, you, you're becoming, you're drifting away. Uh, you begin to doubt the things of God. And the next thing you know, you're dull. And you don't fit in with the world and you don't fit in with the church. You don't feel comfortable either way. What do you do? You hold on to the altar and you hold on to that, 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 that an anchor that God talked about. Brothers and sisters, make sure he's in your heart now and don't suppose that you're right with God. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. And third, their progress was wasteful. Their perception was weak, their presumption was wrong, and their progress was wasteful. Verse 44 indicates they went a day's journey without him. A day without Jesus is a wasted day. A life without Jesus is a wasted life. It's so sad to so many people living their lives without Jesus Christ in it. Look at our nation. Sin has been advertised as the way to live. It's been glamorized as you got to have it. And everybody is so empty and empty and empty and empty. It's glamorized as being fun. If I can't drive it, I'll eat it. If I can't eat it, I'll wear it. If I can't wear it, then I'll just blow it. Eat, drink, and be merry. That seems to be the way many of Americans are today. And the whole world without giving any really thought to the things that really matter about Jesus Christ. For the most part in America, we are a death-denying and a death-defying society. We live as if, oh, go for the gusto once, get all out of that you possibly can. You're just going to die, and that's that. And they don't think they want to step into eternity, but we want to step into eternity. But when I get there, by the grace of God, I want Jesus by my side. I don't want to think he's with me if I don't know who he is. I want him by my side and my heart. A life lived without Jesus Christ is a wasted life. And sadly, there are those who one time walked close to Jesus Christ but they allowed something to get in the way between them. They let the word of God drift. They drifted away from prayer. They drifted away from the church. The next thing you know, they're making their own life and trying to think they're okay when in reality they're not. I think of people that I've known through the years that's been in this church that sung on this platform, that loved the Lord with tears coming down their eyes, but they allowed stuff to come in between them and God and they drifted away and today they are miserable and blaming God for their puny excuse life that they're living today all because they drifted away from God it's scary to me nothing can satisfy but the Lord our heart is so big only he can fill it the soul of man is so big only God can satisfy it and we must know it's not about religion it's all about Jesus how did Mary and Jesus leave how did Mary and Joseph leave Jesus one step at a time <laughs> One step at a time, that's what they did. One backslides from God, one step at a time. If there was ever a time in your life, if there was ever a time in my life that I felt closer to God than I am now, I backslidden that much. 
there's ever a time that I felt like his word was more precious and prayer was more better than it is today, I backslidden that much. You don't backslide overnight. You don't. It's a process of walking away, walking away, walking away. Don't leave Jesus out of this Christmas season and don't leave him out of your life. Enjoy the festivities, but oh my word, enjoy Jesus. Practice his presence and love on him. Thirdly, when they realized they lost him, they looked for him in all the wrong places. The Bible said in verse 44, they looked for him on family, friends, and acquaintances. Did they do that because they panicked? Or did they do that because that's where they thought he really was? I don't know. When we lose something, we always resort to looking for, for something or someone to take the place of what we lost. We were made to know the Lord. Our eyes were made to read his word. Our feet were made to walk in his footsteps. Our mouth was made to sing his praise. Our hands were helped, made to bless our neighbors. You've heard that old song. We read, but what happens if we lose Jesus? We try to find something or someone to take his place. <clears throat> Sometimes we allow other relationships to try to take his place. Sometimes we allow books to take the place of the Bible. So we read books about him, but it won't satisfy as much as the Bible. Sometimes we talk to other people rather than talking to the Lord who can fill us back up with what we need from him. In other words, we substitute other things for the reality of needing the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But nothing can take the place of our time spent in his presence, in his word. Rather than attend church faithfully, people go to ball games, they'll go to bars, they'll go to recreational places, the gym, whatever. And then there are times we really substitute our time with him by spending time with other people. It's so easy to do. You lose that with Jesus rather than try to find him, go back to where he was at. We substitute that with other people. We allow other people to fill that void within our life. But nothing can take the place of Jesus Christ in our lives. Absolutely nothing. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus and they looked for him in all the wrong places. Notice, if you will, where they find Jesus, right where they left him. We'll always find Jesus right where where we left him. They walked an entire day's journey and they didn't know these missing from them. A day's journey back in those days, Bible days I've been told, was about between 18 to 30 miles. But it was a custom with all the caravans on that route to travel anywhere from three to eight miles the first day. So if anything was forgotten or if they left anything behind mistake, they could return quickly and get it and then the next day catch up with the caravan uh, as it went. Uh, they tell me that traditionally this particular caravan traveled with Mary and Joseph uh, went to Beroth, now Beroth, located about six miles north of Jerusalem. And yet it took them three days to find him. Why three days? I don't know. They walked a day's journey, but it cost them three days to try to find him. I'll tell you one thing. Some people have given up after the first minute. Somebody have given up after the first 10 minutes. Somebody have given up after the first day. Someone said, it's not worth it. I'm giving up. He don't want me. He don't want me. But they continued for three days, and their journey brought them right where they left them. I think the same thing about in the upper room. The Lord told them to tear in Jerusalem to be in due with the power of Monhai, that, that early church. And they stayed there. There could have been as many as 500 in that upper room. You know that? Because Jesus was seen alive by 500 men at one time. 
not counting the women. And it could have been that 500 were there. And they said, well, we've been here for a day and nothing's happened, so some checked out and they bailed out. Others stayed two or three days and they left. But after the 10 days, wasn't it fulfilled? 120 remained. And they said, we're here because he promised he would show up. And friends, when God doesn't pay us on the 1st and the 15th of every month, when we begin to seek the Lord for something, he don't answer that first day. Stay there at the second day. Stay there the third day. They found him on the third day. In the upper room, they were there for 120. Um, they were there for 10 days, 120 were, and they received the promise. Stay in where God told you to stay, and you'll find what it is that you're looking for. But again, if we run off to other things, we run off to other people, run off to other, this, that, and the other, and trying to substitute these things for Jesus, we're going to be left empty and despondent, and we're going to be angry, we're going to be upset, and we're going to sour on God. Why? Because we've taken the matter into our own hands, and we've not been obedient to what he's asked of us to do. After three days of searching, Mary and Joseph found Jesus in the temple. In other words, they found him right where they left him. The Passover had been celebrated within the temple. You'll always find Jesus where you left him. I awakened the other morning, and I don't know why it is, I'm so grateful for this, but every morning I awakened with a song on my heart. Sometimes it's songs I've not heard in years. And why they come to my mind, I don't know, but I'm so grateful for it. And the song was, How Long Has It Been? since you got on your knees and you told the Lord your biggest secret. How long has it been since you knelt down by your bed and you told the Lord your heavy burden? How long has it been, my friend? How long has it been since you knelt and told the Lord? I took that as God saying, I want you, I want you on your knees, son. Talk to me. Tell me what you feel. Pour out your hurt. Pour out what's going on. And I believe that's what God wants to do. You'll always find him where you left him. Now, there are several steps, I believe, in getting back to God. First of all, recognize your problem concerning Jesus Christ. Verse 44 and 45 indicate they sought Jesus among kinsmen and acquaintances, but they didn't find him. Before we can turn, return to Jesus, we've got to learn and realize and, and, and confess we lost him. Mary and Jesus were familiar with him, and they still lost him, and they spent three days finding him. Will Jesus be found among your family members this Christmas? Or will family members and friends and activities keep us away from him? Secondly, they had to return to the place where they left Jesus. Again, they sought for three days until they found him in verse 48. They, that, that, that to me was there was a change of direction. You follow me? There was a change of direction. They changed direction. They saw the condition. We've lost him. We were going this way and he's not there. So they turned around and they went back. To me, that symbolizes repentance. They saw, they went back. They repented. If you'll let me use that analogy. Thirdly, I believe we must regret our past without Jesus. And sometimes I don't think we really regret the past without Jesus, perhaps the way we should. Mary and Joseph, the Bible said, sought him in verse 48. How? Sorrowfully. Godly sorrow leads to what? Repentance. The saddest person in the world, 
The saddest person in the world is the one who once had Jesus but lost him. I want to stop right here. I'm not done. But I want to stop right here, and I want you to bow your head with me just for a moment. And I want you to think of somebody that you know that one time had a walk with the Lord, and today they're walking, they walked away from him. Would you right now take that individual that you can think of, or maybe a couple individuals, and would you just lift them up to Jesus right now and ask the Holy Spirit to draw them through a life of repentance back to the Savior? I'm sure we all know somebody that one time walked with the Lord, preached the gospel, taught a Sunday school class, headed up a ministry, sang in the choir, was an usher, a greeter, or something. And today they walked away from Jesus and they're hardened and they're bitter and they're angry. And they may take it out on you. They may take it out on the church. They may take it out on the preacher. They may take it out on God. But would you lift their name to the Lord right now and ask the Holy Spirit to draw them to draw them, to draw them. Lord, we're lifting up so many names of people right here, right now, God, that need you, that one time walked with you, but they walked away, started out by neglecting you. They began to drift. They began to doubt. And they got dull. And today, many of them that I know of have lost not only their way with God, but their hearts are crying, they're empty, they're bitter. God, I'm thinking about a deacon right now that one time served you faithfully. Pray for Dean. God, it's been years since I've thought about him. But Lord, he got back out into pornography, smoking and drinking. And God, you had delivered him from so much. The man was a walking Bible with the joy of the Lord on his face and his heart. But God, he began to dabble where he had no business. Run around the friends that were leading the wrong way, forsaking the church, forsaking Bible reading, drifting from prayer. And today, Lord, he's a miserable wreck. But Holy Spirit, during this Christmas time, rattle his cage, shaking from places of complacency. And help him, Lord, understand that he, you, he'll find you right where he left you. Just as he has to turn around and go back and pick up those broken pieces. God, hear the prayers and hear the names of everyone that we're lifting up to you today, Lord, in this room that one time knew you. And for that, God, will give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. First of all, recognize the problem concerning Jesus. Return to the place where you left him. Have godly sorrow and regret over losing him. And finally, we need to receive Jesus again. Welcome him back into our lives. Not only did the Jesus parents seek him in verse 35, they saw him in verse 48, but they secured him in verse 49 by taking him home with them. Isn't that beautiful? We can take him home with us. The backslider can take him home. That's what I pray during this Christmas season. Let's give the gift of prayer for these people that one time knew him. And let's pray God keep us at the foot of the cross ourselves. Christ in Christmas this year. Let him be the center of our conversation, the focal point of our family. If you ever lost him, thank God you can receive him again. Why? Jesus is the reason for the season. 
He came to seek and save that which was lost. Now, Jesus Christ precedes all others in superiority, in priority, and succeeds everything and everyone else in finality. When I die, and when you die, family and friends may not be there. He said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. A lot of people can can die lonely, but then they have to die alone as long as Jesus is there. Let me close tonight. He came down the stairway of heaven. He was born in Bethlehem. He was hidden in Egypt. He was raised in Nazareth. He was baptized in the Jordan River. He was tempted uh, in the wilderness. He performed miracles on the roadside. He healed multitudes. He charged nothing for his services to mankind. And yet, he conquered everything that came against him. He went to the cross of Calvary. He died for the sins of the world. He was buried in Joseph's borrowed tomb. And on schedule, he rose from the grave with power of an almighty God, which he was. Where is Jesus in your Christmas plans this year? Are we really worshiping him? Are we casting him to the side until the Christmas tree comes down, until the tinsel is off the wall? Don't allow your heart to be busy. Don't allow it to be a busy end this year. Let's make room for Jesus. Amen. Make your heart the cradle where he can, he can come and cuddle and love and give that peace with you.